0: As I was praying about today, I've been pondering it for a few weeks now, uh, maybe actually the better part of a few months, because there's been a tremendous amount of prophetic words that have gone out, uh, and you know, back before we had social media, only a, a, a small group would hear prophetic words from individuals that we know, other than the mainstream prophets that had TV shows. But then all of a sudden, social media comes, And how many of you know that on social media, it seems like everyone has a voice and everyone has an opinion and everyone has an attitude behind their opinion. Now I'm bummed out because social media has an attitude and an opinion. So I thought originally that this was freedom of speech, uh, uh, social media platforms. That's kind of originally what I thought it was all being formed at. And I really enjoy using social media for the works of God. Even though many people use social media for the devil, I use it to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share testimonies. And then I started realizing, as I was sharing miraculous healing testimonies that have happened in this house, they took my videos down. I never swore. I never spoke poorly about a government. I never even spoke poorly about social media. I just shared that a miracle of r- radical healing took place on, in this house and shared the testimony. And all of a sudden, my video's gone. Yeah. I don't know what you think about that, but I realize social media is not necessarily freedom of speech. Unless you happen to have a certain side that you're on. And it seems to be that that side is definitely not on God's side. It almost seems to be more anti-Christ attitude than God's attitude, if that makes sense to you. I'm not here to beat up social media, although I am pretty frustrated. So I want to talk about types of the prophetic. There are two types of prophecy and two types of prophetic words, and I want to share some of those by using the Word of God. Is that okay if I use the Bible? <laughs> Basic prophecy that we encourage in the church is to encourage and exhort. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. If you speak in your heavenly language, you're you're edifying yourself. You're not always edifying somebody else around you. That's what the Bible's saying. So uh, he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Verse three. For he prophesies, but when he prophesies, he speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. That word edification in verse 3, it's oikedome. It means to build up and to edify. The act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, happiness and holiness, and exhortation and comfort to men. So with this word prophecy, oikodoma, is being used very clearly that it is to encourage and exhort the local body of Christ Jesus. It is encouraging and exhorting people that you prophesy to. A lot of people use this as a free reign to give a really bad word to somebody. Ream them out, call out their sin, beat them over the head, lash them and put them on their cross. But that's actually not what prophecy is about in these levels of prophecy. Chapter one of Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 31, for you can all prophesy one by one that all men may learn and all may be encouraged. I want to encourage you, if there's a prophecy, now I'm not talking about the office of a prophet, I'm not talking about a actual prophetic word, I'm talk, it could be, but I'm talking about prophecy. And if we are to prophesy and it's not encouraging and you prophesy to someone close to you, then I would question what you're hearing. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't have prophets give directive words. I'm not saying that. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. I'm talking about that everyone can prophesy one by one. That all may learn and be encouraged and that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And this is a bell ringing to anyone who feels that they are a prophet or have uh, prophetic gifting. It says, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. There are so many people that give what they believe to be prophetic words, but have zero subject of their spirit to the prophets. They have no accountability at all. And it puts and paints a terrible name to the prophetic ministry. I wanna encourage you that this is not the call for our lives that everyone should prophesy. If you don't have a word of knowledge for somebody, I'll tell you what, the Bible says, prophesy to them, encourage and exhort them. Bring a good news to them. Well, I haven't heard a word from God on that individual. You know what? Let me tell you a good word from God for you. You are amazing. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. God has called you for such a time as this. If you don't have an actual word of knowledge, you should prophesy encouragement and exhorting of the people. Amen? Verse 33 of 1 Corinthians 14. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. God is not the author. Now, he's saying this right after. He says, all should prophesy one by one. All may learn and all may be encouraged by this prophecy. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as is all the churches of the saints. Absolute true prophecy. You want to know what it is? I'm holding it in my hand right now. This is beyond a shadow of doubt. This is absolutely true prophecy. Prophetic word of God. This is it right here, the Bible. That's, that's the absolute, Okay. Now God speaks absolutely to his prophets as well. But prophetic words that prophets receive must be heard from God. But when a prophet hears a word from God and doesn't necessarily bring it to covering or other people, other prophets, or does, it still could have a bit of a twist of our own interpretation on it. So, usually a prophet is seen as a messenger from God. They receive a direct word from the Lord and they are called to deliver the word without interpretation. I've seen tremendously gifted people. Many people have given prophetic words that have not come to pass. Maybe they weren't accurate. Maybe they were accurate. And that's what I want to share today and look at the diversities. Prophets should always be joined to apostolic people as well, too, I believe. Because when, when it's very clear that the, the ecclesia, the church, is built on apostles and prophets with Christ as the cornerstone. So I truly believe the prophetic ministry without apostolic support or covering is a lone ranger ministry and I would be very, very cautious on listening. It could be very accurate, but for crying out loud, why can apostles and prophets not together be the foundation of the church? Amen? So we need, we need to learn to mature in the prophetic of today. Again, 1 Corinthians 14.32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. We need to have that together. Two major types of prophetic words are... What I want to call conditional prophecy and unconditional prophecy. So conditional prophecy is when the prophecy fulfillment is dependent on the compliance of those to whom the promise is made and with the conditions on which the prophecy is given. That's a mouthful, I'm gonna break it down. So a prophecy, a conditional prophecy in which the prediction is predicted upon a condition. So when there's a prediction given, and a condition to the prediction is together with it. Let me explain. A conditional prophecy is many times subject or dependent on the obedience or the free will of people. So if God has given me a word, a prophetic word for an individual, let me just throw one out there at um, God, God is going to use you to start an online ministry. And the online ministry will grow rapidly within two to three years, and you'll see many lives saved. That word sounds like it's an unconditional prophecy, but I'm giving it conditionally. Because there's going to be clauses attached to it automatically. One is If you know nothing about the internet, and you choose not to learn anything about the internet, and you choose not to learn the process or open your computer, and you choose to speak against the internet and all the sinful things that happen on it, the word could have been accurate, but your actions chose the word to not happen. Now that word, I truly believe that if it's given by God, will actually either wait for you and or at some point transfer to someone else willing to do it. Matter of fact, that word could have been given to thousands of people and God's looking for the one who literally takes the word and learns it, studies it, goes after it to become what the word is speaking you're to become. And those people will become successful in a great ministry. Examples of... Conditional prophecy in Scripture. God giving rain in due season. We look at Leviticus chapter 26, verse, 30, verse 3 to 4. If you walk in my statutes, so listen, there's a condition attached. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Condition is if, and the conclusion is blessing and favor. The condition is, if you hear this, I'm letting you know how to be obedient to God, to me. And if you're obedient to God, His blessings will come upon you, and this will happen. In a conditional prophecy, the same thing applies in reverse. That if a condition is given, and you don't do the condition, then you will not get land that will produce, you will not have trees of the field that will bear fruit, And you will not have rain when it's supposed to rain, so your land will become like a desert. Conditional prophecy. So, so important. If the children of Israel that this is talking about here walked in God's statutes and kept His commandments, then it rained in due season, but if they did not... That's the other side of the prophecy, but there's even more. So now, when you hear a prophecy for you with conditions, and you don't listen to it, you don't work at going after it. A lot of people think that the prophetic word is, I just sit, someone gives me a prophetic word from God, God speaks to me, and I sit there and do nothing, and it will absolutely happen. That's not a conditional prophecy. So now that the if, if you hadn't listened to the conditions... Or you listened and you weren't obedient to it, not only did your land dry up and and prosperity dried up in your life, there's even more in Leviticus, it continues on in Leviticus 26, chapter 14. But if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant. I also will do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you. You will have wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes. It'll cause you not to see and cause you sorrow of the heart. You will be depressed. If you do not do the conditions of a prophecy, it's not just losing the prophecy. God actually goes farther and says, I will do this. You will live in fear, basically. You, when something bad happens in the world, if you don't do the conditions of the prophecy... The conditions of a lifestyle of a Christian, the conditions of your calling, you will never reach your calling. And if you don't do the conditions of the lifestyle and follow his commandments, you will never reach that call. You will never reach the lifestyle that that God has called you into. You will never reach the level of ministry you're called into. And not only that, you will live in fear. You will waste away in diseases. Sicknesses will come like never before. And your eyes will no longer see because you, you, you've chosen to basically look not at God and you've chosen to look at self. And your eyes become blind and you will sorrow will fill your heart. You will feel lonely. You will feel depressed. You will feel like everyone's abandoned you. You will have what we call an orphan spirit. And the end of that verse... And you shall sow your seed in vain. All the work that you do is in vain because your enemies are going to benefit from you. Right now, we're not called to not hear the word of God clearly. We are called to hear it, eat it, impregnate our mind with it. Fill our heart and our soul with it. Fill every moment of the day of our existence with His Word. And don't live in fear. Don't live in sickness. Don't live in depression. Oh no, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in America? What's going to happen in Canada? You know what? It's actually not your worry. This is the concern for you right here his word in your life in your heart but i will tell you what when these things are uprising around us it is more and more important to be in his word and to get on your hands and knees and pray 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 So if you notice, not obeying the conditions of the prophecy, you don't only lose the original prophecy and blessings, you also go into the fear of diseases, can't see, sorrow of the heart, and you will work and not prosper. Another conditional prophecy in Scripture is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called... How many of you believe that you are called by God? Let me tell you, if you don't believe it, I'm telling you, you are. Even if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are already called by God to know him. And if you don't know how that happens, I tell you how it happens. John 3.16 is very clear. Believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in Jesus Christ, whoever believes in him, will be saved. That is a prophecy guaranteed if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So let's go get uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their lands. Another prophecy. I I actually enjoy this one. I'm tempted to read all of Jonah here this morning. I just love how giggle at it, but saddened at it, but yet just love how Jonah, Jonah tried so hard not to go to Nineveh. So Nineveh was a conditional prophecy, but there was actually consequences that I don't think Jonah knew about. So anyways, so God told Jonah in Jonah chapter 1 verse 2, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So God has delivered a word to the prophet Jonah very clearly, go to Nineveh. It's that, that great city, that big city, and cry out against it. Just, I, I truly believe God said that great city, Nineveh. So Jonah didn't just go to the territory of Nineveh, because Jonah didn't really want to go to Nineveh. Let's, let's face it. He, he wasn't real big on going to that city. It was a wicked and evil city. And he knew that that city kills prophets. So he was pretty much not wanting to go. So God told them, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. You know, know Jonah, I'm not talking about the territory of Nineveh. I'm talking about the city. And cry out against it. Great. When you know a city hates prophets and kills them, you pretty much probably pray that God doesn't give you a word like this. For their wickedness has come up before me. So Jonah doesn't want to listen, so what's he do? He runs to Joppa and boards a ship to Tarshish, completely different direction, an ocean away, <laughs> so to speak, a boat right away. Joppa was super amazing. Uh, when my wife and I were in Israel with, with the Russian churches, it uh, was powerful, and we actually sat in Joppa, and we We had uh, fish and chips caught right from the sea there, and just absolutely amazing, right in the harbor. It was just an amazing thing. Then the storm. We know about that. So here Jonah's on the ship. I'm not going to read it all just because of time. So Jonah's on the ship sleeping. There's a big storm. Everyone's freaking out, throwing over the cargo, all the shipmates, trying to lighten the vessel. And so they go around asking, well, why is this happening? Jonah knows why, because he's the cause of the storm. What does that mean? That means when you're disobedient to what the Lord tells you, you actually are the cause of a negative storm that could kill people, could destroy wealth. I never want to hang around a prophet that's disobedient to God. You believe me, I'm not going out for coffee and hanging with them, and they're my best buddies. No way, Jose. I don't want to be in their storm. So then the captain decides, well, let's Let's draw draw lots to see what happens. Like, let's throw the stones, the little pebbles down and and see which one lands on each person's foot. In other words, a little bit of superstition going on here. But those people had faith on the boat. They were crying out to every god they could think of. So they threw lots down and Jonah lost. So now... It's not a matter of he wasn't listening. It's a matter that God actually caused the lot to fall on his feet. It's unbelievable when you process this. This guy's having a bad day. And he'd get on social media right now and say, life is like hell. This is a destructive day today. He should get on social media and say, let me tell you, everyone, I am a prophet that did not listen to God. So I want to tell you, do not do what I did. He's the cause of the storm. They drew lots and Jonah lost. And so Jonah said, the the, the captain was very clear. What do we do? I mean, how, how do we stop the storm? Jonah said, well, I'm the problem of your storm. So throw me over. Well, at least Jonah knew. He had enough common sense to understand he was a problem. There's so many wild prophets out there that think everyone else has the problem, but not them, because they only hear from God. Whoops. So they threw Jonah overboard. And not two days later, but immediately, the storm stopped. As soon as they threw Jonah overboard, it's interesting, because God happened to have a big fish or a whale there. So Jonah's basically saying, look, you got to throw me over, kill me. But Jonah's, God's basically saying, no, I didn't want to kill you. I want you to go to Nineveh. So they toss him over. He's in the water. I don't know how long. Big fish bites him or eats him. It doesn't even bite him. Just like right into the belly. Wow. The lots fell against him. The fish ate him. This is a bad day for a prophet. But then Jonah's sitting in the belly of this fish with seaweed wrapped around his neck, and he's a little bit probably at this point saying, You know what, God? Okay, okay, okay. I realize the error in my ways. It's been fairly clear, God. So he actually starts praising God from the belly of the fish. Most people, or many, might be cursing God at that moment and saying, God, have you abandoned me? It stinks in here. But he cries out to God, and God ordains that fish to swim over to the land and get an upset belly from eating a prophet's. I think when your goal is to destroy profits, you will have an upset belly. There's people online on the internet making videos of me using one phrase completely out of context. I think they have an aching belly. Because I'm honored. Because they link me in with people like my mentors, Bill Johnson, they link me in with Chris Volton, They link me in with Patricia. Geith, they link me in with a lot of people. So I'm like, okay, go ahead. Curse me, whatever you do. I live for the name and the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Paul was very clear that that doesn't mean it's always an easy lifestyle. Spits them out on the beach. Hopefully Jonah bathed and then went to Nineveh. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, okay, okay, Mr. Prophet, you didn't want to go to Nineveh, who knows why, maybe fear of death, maybe it's a long distance, maybe you're just tired of proclaiming that to a big city, I don't know, he didn't want to go. But in God's blessing, no matter what you say prophetically, even if it's, you don't follow it fully, but you humble yourself before him and the people, God will re- bring back or reuse you in the prophetic ministry. So now the word of the Lord, verse 1, came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Word for word, the same word. So Jonah arose in verse 3 and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Verse 4, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Interesting. Do you hear that? Nineveh is a three-day journey. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk just In case we didn't grab that, when you listen and are obedient to the word of God, even if you've made a mistake somewhere in your interpretation, but you realize your error, you confess it before the people or talk to your team, and then you say, Okay, God, I am sorry, and I worship you. And He re gives you that word again. He doesn't just say, You're now going to walk three days. He's going to say, Because you have humbled your heart again, I am going to do something supernatural that might not have happened the first time. Then he cried out, Jonah did, and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Well, the Bible says that's nothing else he said about the prophecy. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's pretty direct, unconditional prophecy. But there's something else attached to unconditional prophecies. It's God's will and plan. Jonah 3, verse 5, and verse 10. The people of Nineveh believed, so, verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. So they believed Jonah was bringing the true word of God. And they immediately proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. That sounds like a hard attitude of repentance, right? They immediately proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Every person in the city of probably 150 to 200,000 people is what the city was roughly known as. Every person proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth, sackcloth. Verse 10, then God saw their works and they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Man, I say the word that Jonah had was an unconditional prophecy. I truly believe Jonah felt it was an unconditional prophecy. That's why he didn't want to go in the first place. But he was yet over his disobedience, became obedient, delivered the word. Maybe Jonah even knew God so well that he was going to deliver this word, risk his life, knowing that if the city changed, God's compassion would change his first initial word. I don't know. All I know is they didn't get destroyed because they were obedient to the word. When they repented and changed, God canceled his judgments. Jonah actually got angry with God because he knew God would be compassionate, so he didn't want to go in the first place, I believe. The actual prophecy didn't seem to be conditional. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was the word. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It doesn't say if you change your way, it says yet in 40 days Nineveh shall be overthrown. So many people could have actually thought Joan himself that he missed it. He gave the word, and Nineveh was going to be overthrown, but Nineveh went into an extreme humility, humbled themselves, prayer and fasted, and God changed that word. Now Nineveh would have looked like a false prophet because he prophesied something and it didn't happen. Maybe. Or, I believe the people of Nineveh didn't give two hoots that what he originally said didn't happen because it kicked them in the rear end hard enough to get them into prayer and fasting and forgiveness. And they were all saved. Another conditional prophecy Elisha with King Joash of Israel. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 18. Then he said, Elisha said to the king, Take the arrows! Now Elisha's already been prophesying to the king about shooting the arrow out the window. But this part of it, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Now if you notice, there's no number attached to it. Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And what happens next? And the man of God was angry with him. So Elisha was now angry with the king and said... You should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. If I was the king, I would have sat back and said, well, why didn't you be a better prophet? You should have told me to strike it more than three times. Why didn't you say strike the ground? At least five or six times or more. Because I would have struck it a hundred times if I knew that every time I struck the ground, I had a victory. But you see, many prophetic words that are conditional aren't always given the full understanding of the condition because God is looking for people that are unconditional in their hearing the Word of God's. And obeying without knowing the outcome. This whole ministry, God spoke to me clearly in 1989 to go into full-time ministry. Last thing I wanted to do. Are you kidding me? My parents were missionaries for over 50 years. They were broke. They had no money. Are you kidding me? What do I want to go into ministry? My business is always successful. But the year before, I married an amazing woman called Sharon Borthwick, my wife. Well, her name's not Sharon Borthwick, my wife, but my sister-in-law is Sharon Borthwick as well. They have the same name, so I'm just trying to clarify, Sharon Borthwick, my wife, not my brother's wife, Sharon. (sighs) We didn't know what it looked like. We just went for it. We went for it. Sold our businesses. Went for it. Got debt free. Went for it. No idea when we sailed out of here in a sailboat in 1996. We had no idea what we were going to be doing. And here we are today. I believe God was looking at that king. That when the word said, if you strike the ground, if you strike the the ground with the arrows he was looking for a king that was take those arrows he was looking for a king with passion he didn't care a king that didn't care what he looked like in front of the people He was looking for a king with such passion that they will hear the word and do it it's a very thin line when prophets prophesy and the words coming to pass the way you thought or even the way they prophesied it it's a thin line. So we need prophets learning with prophets that keep each other accountable. So many people feel and teach that when God declares something, it will absolutely come to pass. It's absolutely not biblically correct. There are conditional and unconditional prophecies. And even on an unconditional prophecy like Jonah to Nineveh, God's compassion still overrode it. And the people that hate the prophetic movement would have probably said, ignored the victory, but would have said Jonah was a false prophet. he said 40 days and 40 days came and went and it didn't happen and they ignore the freedom the celebration of a city in revival they're more against the prophetic movement than they are about revival in the land for conditional prophecy God's given us the following rule in Jeremiah 18 verse 7 to 10 It says, the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, If it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said I would benefit it. I believe that we have nations that are living in deep levels of sin. This is why we as the church, as the bride of Christ, need to rise up first personally. Get rid of the sin The evil thoughts, the evil way, the closed ears to his word. Get rid of them now. So our nation of God's people can rise up within our individual nations of Canada, of America, of Mexico, of Germany, of Russia, of Pakistan, of wherever you are. And we can have a nation within a nation. Because if we build the nation of God in our country, we will see a change happening in our country. But so many Christians just sit back and don't humble themselves or get enough time on their knees and expect. God's going to fulfill His Word. Unconditional prophecies, when God gives a Word that will come to pass exactly as prophesied no matter what human people do. An example of unconditional is Jesus' first coming and His return. The Bible speaks all through the Word about it. And no matter what humans did or do, Jesus came into the world and he died on the cross and rose again for your sins to give you salvation and eternal life. No matter what humans do, Jesus is returning for his bride. No matter how bad the world is, Jesus is returning for his bride. That is a prophecy that is unconditional. Another unconditional prophecy, John 14, one to four. The way, the truth, and the life. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in Jesus Christ. In my Father's house are many mansions. So if you believe, this is a guarantee. Believe in me, says the Lord. And in my house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if you go and prepare, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Tell you what, that's going to happen, and it's happening in Christian lives right now. The book of Revelation, the Bible itself, is an unconditional prophecy book. The book's prophecy will be fulfilled no matter what humans do. Before you judge a prophet, we need to define his or her type of prophecy. We need to learn how to know a true prophet. I have friends, well-known prophets, that have prophesied presidents. And especially in this time, some of them have gotten back on social media and in front of their churches and apologized for prophecy. I don't advocate false prophecies. I don't. But as I was pondering Actually, way back since early December, I started pondering. What happens when a prophet gives a word about a president and then the president doesn't get in? What are we supposed to believe? Well, was it a conditional or an unconditional word? I have my perspectives on why the American president, Donald Trump, did not win the election. I have my perspectives. I think it's very clear to most people. I think it's even clear to the other side. They just don't, or will not admit it. I guess we still have a lot to learn in prophecy, but I know one thing. The men of God that speak into my life or that are in relationship that I have with them, I know that they are covered and surrounded by men and women and apostles. They apologized. I get it. But it doesn't make me think less of them because their spirit of prophecy is engaged with the other spirit of the prophets. I believe that president getting in was conditional. And many Americans, we didn't quite get it done. And I believe that the other side, the left, did what they feel needed to do to win. And They did whatever they did So it might not have even been that the believers or the people that were for President Trump didn't do everything they should. It could be that the other side did more. I don't know, but I know one thing. When there's a prophet that's covered by other prophets, apostolic people, they write an apology about a word but I'll be a little bit less flexible when a prophet is a lone ranger prophesying the end of the world and it doesn't happen but they receive millions of dollars of wealth from selling their books and I struggle with that one for sure All I know is that God has a plan and a purpose. I have been misread. I have been judged. I have been condemned by people. I have given accurate words and people don't like me. And I probably I know I've given some inaccurate words and people don't like me. It's like, Sometimes you just can't win with some people. But you see, I'm not on this earth to win your perspective. I'm on this earth to be obedient to my Lord, my Father God, my Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean everyone's going to like Brent Borthwick. (laughs) Don't Google my name. Interesting how social media doesn't take those guys down. <laughs> Google the name of Jesus Christ because I've got a platform better than Google, better than Facebook, better than Twitter, better than we, better than Parler, better than any anything. I've got a platform. It's called the Word of God. The Word. The living Word of God. I've got a news source better than CNN, MSNBC, CBC, Fox, better than any news source ever. I've got a news source. It's the Word of God and Him speaking to us. That's the channel I listen to. Let's humble ourselves and know that we have entered such a time as this. Arise, arise, O bride, for your time has come. Evangelize and reap the harvest for the valleys and the fields are ripe. First, the harvest in you. Do not, do not live in the words of man. Live in the words of God. Be blessed. See you next week. Know that this day is destined for victory for you, for me, for us all. Tomorrow is destined in greater victory for you, for me, for all of us. For in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I'm going into dreamland because I like sleeping now. Not really. I will dream the dreams of God that he tells me in his word. Oh, happy day Oh, happy day, for this is the day that the Lord has made, and in it, I rejoice in him. Bless you. We love you all.